This message is produced by the Transformation Edge Church. We believe you'll be inspired and transformed by it. The Trans Edge, a change is inevitable. You know, um, it's, it's usually not about numbers because when the Holy Spirit is here, it's not here particularly because there are a million people here, but rather here because he wants to be here. He's here because you love being here, Right? It's love because you're here. He's here because you're here, basically, isn't it? And, and first and foremost, because we carry him. We carry him. Praise God. He said he will live within you all the days of your life. He will live in you. That's what he says. And, um, and with that in mind, I'd like to ask you a, a question like I usually would ask. How was your week? It flew, right? Yeah, it feels like we are racing towards Christmas and racing towards the end of year. You know, something that I've noticed around this time of year is that um, everyone is doing things as though it's the end of the age, as in it's the end of life. You know, everyone is quickly doing things and thinking, well, if you don't do this today, it means that you probably might never be able to achieve it. But don't forget, 2022 is just around the corner. It's closer than you can imagine. It's about two weeks away, isn't it? About that. About that. Guys, sorry, I can hardly hear myself. And, oh, thank you. That's beautiful. Very quick response. And... um. Something I'd like to share with you tonight is what I've titled, In Spite. In spite of the challenges that we've seen this year, God is still God. He's still on the throne. In spite of where you are at, He still loves you. You know, we talked about this on Sunday, didn't we? When we talked about behold, because he wants us to see. He wants us to observe. So we are taking that into tonight, looking at in spite of what's been going on in my life, in spite of the discouragement that has presented itself in various forms, he still loves me. He still loves me. And I'm not sure where you've been, but if you can say, in spite. In spite. He still loves me. I'm going to share a story with you. And it's the story of a man whom you probably may have heard about, but is not too popular. It's in the scripture, and, and of course, as the Christmas is unfolding, it's important that we also understand this person's place in the story of Christmas. You hardly mention him, but his name is Zachariah. You remember Zachariah? Not Zachariah the prophet, because that's the one that we heard much about, but Zachariah, the father of John the Baptist. And let's hear his story a little bit. Are you ready for it? Let's pray. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus for this opportunity to share your word. And I never take this opportunity for granted because it's, uh, it, it, it's quite 
humbling to be able to share your word with your people. And so, Lord, I ask that you use me tonight. Say nothing out of this mouth that you have not proposed. And help me to understand your will, your way, so that, you know, what, whatever come out of this mouth will be what ans- brings answer to many questions. And what brings joy and courage and hope to those who have been feeling frustrated or, or anxious for one, or, you know, one thing or the other. And let your name through, you know, the answers to our prayers, let your name be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, verse number 5, it said, There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest. So he was a priest, right? A certain priest named Zechariah of the course of Abia, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. It's kind of the picture that we want to be, isn't it? You want to walk with God blameless. You know, you want to be considered righteous. And it feels like they lived all their lives walking with God. And that is fantastic. And then in verse number 7, it reveals something that is quite interesting. It says, and they had no child. It doesn't suggest to us whether they had no child because they didn't want children or because they couldn't have children. But later on, it does share with us that because Elizabeth could not have kids, right? It says, and they they had no child because that Elizabeth was barren and they were both, uh, or they were, and they both were now well stricken in age. In other words, they were pretty old. So they may, they may have wanted children. For, for the scriptures to mention that Elizabeth was barren, in other words, she was important, she had no capacity to carry children, meant that she wanted kids. But she couldn't. But, but the interesting thing is, they walked with God. And it shows that they continued to walk with God. So these two... This two uh, this couple, they were blameless. They uh, were righteous people. They followed the commandments. And they had no child. They, I, I don't quite understand the place of the, the, the conjunctive word, the end, there. I don't quite understand the place because it feels like it's an addition. In other words, when you serve God, this is what you get. And... That probably might throw some of us out. But when you read further, you realize that that word, that conjunctive word, was not meant to be there, or rather was not meant to be the word end, but it was meant to be but. While they had served God, but. I was still here. So look at it. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, in other words, he still continued to serve as a priest, even though they had no child. He didn't doubt the calling upon his life. 
You know, some of us could get to a point where we had prayed for a particular thing and it's not happening. You go, but God, come on. I've been doing this for a very long time with you. You know, I wish I had gone the other way. But it stayed. Although they had no child. But they found comfort in one thing. They found comfort in the presence of God. Although they had no child. They found comfort together. Let's keep looking. And they had no child. Okay, so verse number 8. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn his, in other words, his job, his responsibility was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. And there appeared unto him, who are we talking about? Zechariah. So there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on his right, right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled. Now the word troubled here is actually meaning he was scared. He freaked out basically. I'm not sure if this is the first time that he's seen the angel of God, but... But when you do see an angel, it freaks you out. Not because of the angel, but because of the glory they carry. And we talked about this on Sunday, that the angel, you know, when you see an angel, it, it, you, you quaver. And the reason is not because of them being angels, but because of the glory they carry. And the glory that they carry is not their glory, it's the glory of God. So in other words, an angel without the glory of God becomes a demon. Are you still here? That's true. Why? Because they no longer reside in the presence of God. The Bible tells us that the angels reside in the presence of God. So every time they show up to you, guess what? They've brought something to you. They've brought a message to you. It could be good news. It could be a word of warning. But they do bring a message. So when they do bring a message, they are representing not themselves, but they are representing God. So you understand why Zechariah here freaked out a little bit. The Bible tells us he was troubled seeing an angel. And fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zechariah, for thy prayers heard. For thy prayer is heard. And thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. I was still here. How interesting is that? That this guy, he was old, but he still consistently and persistently did his role, took responsibility. He, he would have said that day, you know what? I've been doing this for a very long time. Can I take a day off today? And who knows what would have happened? Who knows if the angel would have shown up and Zechariah was not there at his post. Actually, the angel knew exactly where to find him. Right? One interesting thing, and, and which I do love um, about my family, is the fact that when I'm anywhere, they know where to find me. They know where I am. 
not possibly because I'm a boring person, as in kind of antisocial, but, but, but they know where to find me. They know it's either work or in my office at home or at church. They just know where to find me. So if they've got to reach me, they know how to reach me. Do people know where to find you? Does God know where to find you? Because if he doesn't know where to find you, you see, God knows everything, right? But there's an expectation that you will be where he needs you to be. But you see, we make our own decision and, be, and decide to be where we want to be. Does he know where to find you? When he comes looking for you, would you be there? Or would you be hiding? Let's look at this together very quickly. While we are still in Luke, we'll come back to Luke in a few minutes. And don't forget what we are talking about in spite. So you see, John, uh, not John, uh, uh, Zechariah, he spent all his life serving God. But he had also wanted a child. But in spite of his need, he still kept going to the temple to do his responsibility. Psalm chapter number 42. I'd like to read that from the New International Version. Verse number one says, As the deer pants for the streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. So as the deer pants for the streams of water, so, so my soul thirsts for you, my God. So it's important that we understand how and why the deer pants for the streams of water. Now, so many people have got, um, you know, quite a few stories around that. They, they say, well, the deer has got a particular scent that, you know, it emanates or that emanates from, from the animal. However, when they, you know, when he's at risk, and is becoming a prey to other animals, he rushes into the water to submerge itself in the water to kill the smell. That's a story. I don't know how true that is. But I just thought to tell you that. But there's another thought around that. That this, because the, own, the other thoughts kind of quite make sense because the, the scriptures here is talking about thirsting. He could be running to the water because he's famished. He needs restoration. He needs some form of re-energizing of his soul, of his spirit, of his body, whatever it is. He says, so my soul thirsts for you. But whether of the two stories that we choose, it still remains true. 
Weather is running to submerge itself in water to kill the sense that uh, attracts other animals who could prey on him or because he needs water. The fact is the presence of God is where you find restoration. The fact is the presence of God is where you find your hiding place. The fact is, the presence of God is where there is fullness of joy. And at his right hand, there are treasures forevermore. So in his presence, you find literally satisfaction for your soul. Can you see why Zechariah kept going back to the presence of God to continue his responsibility Why? Because if he stays outside the presence of God, guess what will happen? Thoughts come to him. Ideas come to him. Right? Uh, It could be ideas such as, but you've been serving God for a very long time. How come you're still without a child? How come you still not achieved the peace that you thought you would achieve? But one thing that he realized is being in the presence of God brings about peace, joy, restoration. King David, remember him, King David, in the scriptures, he said, restore unto me the joy of your salvation. And uphold me. In other words, hold me up. Keep me strong. With your free spirit. So when that is done, I will teach those who are going through the same issues that I'm going through right now. I will teach them how to respond to you. That's what it says, isn't it? He said, I will teach transgressors thy way. Do you know why he talked about transgressors? Because that was where he was. You see, God is not about what you've done. It's about your spirit. It's about your heart. It's not about how dirty you've been in your life. It's about your heart. He loves you. He might not love your acts, but he loves you. He will bypass everything that you've done to get to you. You remember King David. King David committed atrocities, my goodness. That if you still do it today, you'll be ostracized, so to speak. No one will want to follow you on Instagram. You'll never find a good job. Knowing fully well that you killed someone and married their wife just because of that, actually. And not because it was an accident, it was planned. And he used this position as a king to determine that that happens. Although he tried every other thing. But you see, nothing excuses what he did. But yet, this was the guy that God said, I love his heart. I like him. He's a man after my own heart. Is it because God loved what he did? 
or where he's been or how he's acted. Never. Not in a million times would God ever love that. Nevertheless, God saw that when he repented, he was completely repentant. And there he, he um, in Psalm 51, that was where I quoted earlier. In Psalm 51, it says, oh, uh, verse number, let's, let's look at verse 1. It says, have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgression. In other words, he was a transgressor. He was a sinner. Right? It says, Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. In other words, I see it. I can imagine exactly what I was doing at that very moment. I knew how I planned it. Every time I remind myself, every time it comes to mind, it's taunting me every day, God. So, but, but you will forgive me, wouldn't you? You will help me. You will clean me. Now in verse 4, it says, against you, you only, against thee, thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. So in other words, he was repentant. He acknowledged what he's done. And he knew the impact of what he's done. And the potential that that could actually drive the Spirit of God from him. Why? Because God would never behold sin. Are we still here? Oh, let me know if you're still here or you've gone to bed. All right, you're still here. Good. All right. And then in verse 5, it said, I was shaping. In other words, I was, mold, I was molded. I, I, I was developed. I, I grew up in an environment. So I was shaping in iniquity. And in sin did my mother conceive me. He said, Behold, thou desirest truth. In the inward parts and in the hidden part, thou shalt make me to know wisdom. In other words, you desire truth in the inward part. You know exactly how it happened. I am not going to hide this from you, but you desire truth. You want me to acknowledge. You want me to take notice of what I've done. You want me to know that you've always seen everything that I've done. So you desire truth in the inward part. And in the hidden part, you will help me to acknowledge wisdom. And what is the wisdom he's talking about? He said, purge me with hyssop. And whatever that was, of course, it's a cleansing agent. He said, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. In other words, I know you have the capacity to help me get rid of this guilt. You can help me. Say, cleanse me. And in verse number 8, he said, Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. In other words, the reason why I feel sad, why I feel depressed all the time, is because nothing can make me any happier. Because every time I acknowledge what I've done, every time I see what I've done, every time I remember what I've done, it takes away the joy from me. It takes away the, the, the satisfaction from me. Nothing makes me happy anymore. I've come to a point where I feel anxious even thinking about you. I feel anxious even 
come into your house. And don't forget, this was the same guy who said, I was glad when he said to me, let us go to the house of God. But now he says, nothing can help me. Nothing can make me any happier. Or rather, nothing can make me happy at all anymore. So he's saying, make me to hear joy and gladness. That the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Say, hide thy face. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Why is he talking this way? God has not even said anything to him. And guess what? At times, the guilt is what kills you more than the sin itself. The guilt. But thanks be to Jesus who gave himself for our sin, that for us, the sin and the guilt is taken away. Because we have been accepted in him. He didn't say we will be. He said we have been accepted in him. Now, in verse number 10 of that same scripture, chapter 51, Psalm, it says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Create in me a clean heart. Why did he say, and at times I wondered that, right? Why didn't he say, change my heart to be a clean heart? Or rather, he said, create in me a clean heart. In other words, this heart probably might never be able to think about what is right. But I need a replacement. I need a transplant. I need a transformation. And that's what he does when you love him. That's when you does when that's what he does when you say, "Lord, I'm here just the way I am." And that's what he always says, say, "Come just as you are," right? Come just as you are. He said, but, but I've come just as I am. I've been a Christian for a very long time, but you have, you're still not coming as you are. Have we acknowledged at some point we bring a different personality to God? And at times, we're different all the time. We wear a mask and come to God. I, I was on the phone to someone, you know, earlier today. My goodness. I didn't know what to think. You know, and that conversation was all about wearing a mask. Wearing a mask. You've got to appear holy. You've got to appear. I don't know how that is. What, what does it mean to be holy? Do you know? What does it mean to be righteous? Do you know? No, I mean put religion down for a moment. And tell me what holiness and righteousness is. Because the only way you can know as a child of God is when you come just as you are. But if I appear the way Victor wants me to appear, if I appear the way, you know, uh, Rosemary wants me to appear, guess what? I am practicing their holiness and their righteousness, not the one that God gives me. But if I come just as I am, as vulnerable as I am, 
as pitiful as I am, as guilty as I am, as sinful as I am. But if I can come to him and say, here I am, creating me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. That's when he can reveal to me what righteousness is from his perspective. You see, what is most important is righteousness from his perspective. Not righteousness from my perspective. My perspective, hear what he says. He said, the righteousness of a man or a woman is like a filthy rag in his sight. So in other words, regardless of how much I try, It's not even close to the worst of his. So why, why should I bring my own perception of righteousness and thinking I will be accepted because I did my part? What is my part other than to come just as I am? He said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. It, it is not saying, well, when, when you open the door, your room better be clean. As he said that. He didn't say when you open the door, there better be food on the table. He said, but I stand at the door and knock. And if you open the door, I will come in and eat with you. Who brings the food? He brings the food. He brings the food. He didn't say, well, behold, I stand at the door and knock. But before you open, just make sure food is ready. That's not what he said. You remember in the book of John chapter 21. Here is what happened. Peter was tired of waiting. And the other disciples thought, oh, probably. Jesus, Jesus probably might never come back. All right. And Peter said, I'm going fishing. And every other person went, ah, who will come with you? So they all went to fish. So they fished for a few days and they had not caught anything until Jesus showed up on the shores and said, children, have you caught any fish? And he said, um, we've not caught any. He said, how about throw your net on the right side? And Peter said, um, I could have, but okay. All right, because you say so. And he threw the net on the right side and caught a deluge of fishes. Guess what? He realized it is the Lord. Did he go ahead and keep pulling the fish out of the ocean? No. He left it, threw out his coat, dove into the sea and swam to the shores. But the interesting thing is that when he got to the shore, Jesus was busy frying fish. The fish that he had waited for days could not catch. When he responded to Jesus, there was food. Breakfast was available. He brings the food. He, he asks you for nothing. All he asks from you is yourself. And this is the same message I want us to take, you know, God actually wants us to take out to the world. That the reason why the son came is not to get anything from you. But to just accept him. 
The Bible tells us in the book of John, chapter 1, he said, He is the light that lights anyone that comes into the world. So if he is the light that lights everyone that comes into the world, what does that mean? Anyone that does not accept him has no light. That's what it means, isn't it? So in other words, anyone who has not accepted Jesus keeps walking in darkness. You know, there's a psychology, right, that in darkness... The darkness starts to feel like a familiar place to you that you can kind of, you know, make your way around. But you only make your way around things that you're familiar with. You can never discover new horizons. And in the darkness, you get hurt. You stumble. You hit your head. And you cry all by yourself. People might hear you and say, I understand. I've been in darkness too. I understand that's how it is. Can they change it? No. But when you come to Jesus, he's the one, he's the one that lights up everyone that comes into the world. He starts to show you the path of life. He starts to show you how not to go the same path again and you start to realize what i used to enjoy what used to bring me joy what used to you know there are people that just find joy in hurting others right does that make it good but they just find joy in it that's what bullies are isn't it they, they just find joy but when they start to realize that hurting others is actually not about the people that they are hurting, actually about them. That's when they start to acknowledge, this is wrong. I've got to find a better way to do life. And it's the same thing. Psalm 51 again, we're still there. Verse number Nine now. You say, hide thy face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. And then verse 11, that's what we've been coming all this while. He said, cast me not away from your presence. Don't cast me away from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Don't cast me away from your presence. It's difficult without a presence. Psalm 16 says, In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand, when it talks about right hand, it's not talking about the right hand side. It's talking about the place of authority. Say, as you're at your right hand, at the very place where you sat me, say, there are pleasures forevermore. There are pleasures forevermore. So, so cast me not away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. He said, restore unto me the joy of knowing you, the joy of being saved, the joy of being your child. Do you understand that? He said, restore unto me. In other words, there's a joy of being saved. Don't get used to it where it no longer inspires something in you. You know, it's a restore unto me the joy of just loving you. Restore unto me the joy of loving what you are to me. 
you, you see, in a relationship, you've got to work out a relationship. Otherwise, it gets to a point where we become just friends. And from friends, we become just housemates. And from housemates, we're kind of thinking, should we just move out? But it's still a relationship. But you've got to work at it. You've got to acknowledge the joy of the relationship. Hey, in every relationship, there ought to be a fellowship. Because without a fellowship in a relationship, the sheep falls apart. Someone, you know, said that um, fellowship means two fellows in one ship. And if it's two, we're stuck here. We better make good thing out of this. Actually, we made a decision to be together. We've got to find the joy in being together. You see, fellowship with God is the same thing. But this time, he's not asking you to bring anything. He brings everything. He calls you on a date. He's going to pay for lunch. Don't worry. You just rock up. That's all he wants you. Just rock up. But this time, don't just bring yourself because you are bored at home. Don't just bring yourself because there's no better place else to be. Although you're thinking, if, if Dolly calls me, I'll let you know. I'm just waiting for a call. And you know, there are people like that, right? They're just waiting for the last call. Anything that will distract them away from. If anything comes up. So you're saying, tell me what time you're coming. You say, I'll, I'll let you know. I'll text you five minutes before I get there. And those are the kind of people, they'll call you and go, uh, actually something came up. But God is saying, hey, stop making excuses. I know exactly where you are. I know where to find you. But I don't want to force myself on you. I want you to come just as you are. So, but I don't have the clothes to wear. I don't have the right dress for dinner. So it's okay. I've got clothes prepared. You just come. Just come. In spite of where you have been, I still love you. Just come. In spite of the things that you feel you've done, it, it, it's okay. I still love you. Just come. Come to me. Though the world is on your shoulder, come to me. There's nothing too hard, no impossibility, if you come to me. Isn't it? And he just wants you to bring all to him. Don't pretend to be what you're not. Especially in this Christmas. This Christmas is a show of you. Actually, Christmas is not about Jesus. Do you know that? Christmas is about you. Because the essence of Jesus is you. The reason why he came is because of you. John 3.16, you remember that? For God so loved the world that he gave. And it is the giving that brought about Christmas. But he loved the world. He loved you. Still loves you. 
Romans tells us, the book of Romans tells us, so while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So all his 33 years of life was just to get your attention. Come on. He courted you for 33 long years. That's the longest courtship ever. Just to get your attention. And now says, come. The banquet is ready. Come. Don't wait anymore. You might have been a Christian most of your life, but still, you are rocking up with a different face mask every time. Say, but come. Just come the way you are. Just come the way you are. I want to know you now. I want to know you. Knowing you is not seeing you. Knowing you is having a conversation. It's, a, it's communicating. Say, but I've been talking all your life. But I want you to talk to me. Would you talk to me? Would you allow this Christmas to be the time, the day that you finally meet him? You may have received the Holy Spirit, but you have not met him. Have, have you realized at times you've always seen someone all the time, but you've not, you've not been introduced? But there, there needs to be an introduction now. Hey, I'm Michaels. I'm always late. I tell lies at times. And I don't like everybody. You know, most of us don't say that part of our story, you know that? Most of us won't say, hey, I'm Victor. I'm judgmental. You won't say that. You want to show the good part. But Jesus wants to know you. He wants to know you. He wants to be introduced. He's seen all the part that you put on, but he wants to see the part that is in you. Not that he doesn't already know, but he wants to start a relationship like no other. I was still here. So to Zechariah, while the angel came, he thought, oh, this was my day. My day not for good news, but my day because I've been judged. But interestingly, the angel brought a good news. Your prayers have been heard. I've seen who you are. Not what you do. You have a responsibility, but you come with a pure heart. You have a son. And the son is not a thank you. Are you still here? The son is not a thank you for being righteous. The son is not a gift. Do you know why? Because everything you ever need for life and godliness has already been given to you. And he wants you to explore the perimeter of the wealth that has been bestowed upon you. He wants you to explore it. And don't miss out on that. One of the things that will only 
get us to miss out on that is not knowing him. Because if you don't know him, you wouldn't understand his capacity. If I dare to give, you know, my wife, right, a check of $5 million right now, guess what? She knows me. She, she either just smile and go, it's okay, don't worry, one day, one day. It's okay. I see your heart one day, Michaels. Or she goes, oh, wow, what a lovely gift. Amazing. But what defines that is her knowledge of me. What's your knowledge of the Lord? When he says, I've given you everything that you will ever need, what's your knowledge of him? Do you trust him? Do you believe that? Because if you believe it, you will act as though you have everything. Do you believe that? Or do you still feel, I may not get it if I do this thing. I may not get it if. Is it conditional upon what you bring? Or upon what he's done? And that's a question I will leave for you tonight. Zechariah, right at that very moment, he had good news. Luke chapter 1 again. This time, verse number 13, he said, But the angel said unto him, But the angel said unto him, But the angel said unto him, which is a suggestion for what he was expecting was different. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John, and thou shalt have joy and gladness. You shall have joy and gladness. In other words, you will now no longer only just function in my presence, you will have my presence. Because in his presence is fullness of joy, isn't it? So for him to say, you shall have joy and gladness, in other words, you will be a carrier of my presence. And, and hear this. Say, thou shalt have joy and, and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink and he shall be filled, oh God, he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. I've got so much to say about that, but not tonight. He said, and many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. Don't you think it was worth the wait? He waited all his life. So give birth to a special child who will usher in the Son of God. It was worth the wait. And it shall go before him in the spirit and the power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Praise God. And Zechariah said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife well stricken in years. And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel. That stand in the presence of God. Do, do, do you get that? Say, so I'm Gabriel. In other words, hey, I've not introduced myself. 
How dare you doubt what I'm saying? I'm Gabriel. I didn't bring my own words. I stand in the presence of God. Actually, I, I came from the presence of God to deliver this to you. <laughs> See, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I'm sent to speak unto thee and to show thee this glad tidings. And behold, thou shalt be dumb. It's, it's interesting how he said that to Zechariah. Because at times, what takes away from what we have is the words that we speak. Because at times we perceive things wrongly and then we say them into being. Our words are powerful. But it took that power away from him at that very moment so that he is not the one who ruins the surprise. Because the only reason Zechariah would ask, how can this thing be? I'm old. Come on. Are you thinking? In other words, in his days, that was not popular. Probably unacceptable or, or probably impossible. But he says, hey, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. Is there anything too hard for God to do? Now, in saying that tonight, I'm saying this to you, in spite of where you've been, is there anything too hard for God to do? All you've got to do at this time is come just as you are. Just as you are. Come just as you are. Number two, establish a relationship beyond your mask. Don't come pretending to be something else. Come the way you are. Establish a relationship. Date him. Get him to know you. Indicate areas of your life you need to change in. Lord, let's introduce ourselves again. You see, I could come to you and say, Hey, hello, I'm Michaels, and I used to be an architect, and I am a psychotherapist. And I could say all of those things that I am. But what about those other things only me know? And that's what God wants you to have a conversation with him. Not because he doesn't already know, but because he wants you to acknowledge it. Because it's in the acknowledging you can understand and, and acknowledge, no, you can understand and appreciate his gift for you. It's not what you are that determines how much he loves you. He loves you anyway. But in the acknowledging of what you used to be, that you know how far he's brought you. The Bible tells us he's delivered us from the domain of darkness. For some of us, it's just a scripture that we read. But it's in the sitting back and acknowledging where you have been that you understand how far he's brought you. And he's brought you so far that it's not time to go back. He's got amazing things lined up for you, brothers and sisters. And he wants you to just know him. Know him. Would you know him? In spite of what is going on in your life, would you commit to know him? This time it's not Jesus coming to my life. It's rather, Jesus, I want to know you as Lord. 
I want to know you for who you are. I want you to know me. I want you to search me. I want you to find anything in me that does not please you. And I want you to take it away. But most of all, I want us to have a relationship like no other. That regardless of how many people are around me, I still love you exactly the way you've made me to love you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Now, tonight, and I know, you know, not only people in this room, but there are also people watching online, and that's fine. We want to give you this opportunity if you have not known Jesus. If you have not given your life to him, because that's the first step in all of these things, isn't it? It's the first step in all of these things. So if you've not given your life to Jesus, can we all be standing? Is that okay? If you've not given your life to Jesus, can I ask you to consider doing that tonight? And if you want to do that and you want to lift up your hand very briefly, that, that would be lovely and we'll pray with you. We'll pray with you to receive Jesus into your life as your Lord and Savior. But most importantly also, that you let go of what used to hold you back so that you can now start to know him. Even if it's religion that you've held on to, religion has no place in God, do you know that? It has no place in God because first and foremost, Christianity is not a religion. It's a way of life. And Jesus came to give life, not to give religion. That we might have that life abundantly. And you want to know that life. So if you are that person tonight, and you want to give your life to Jesus, whether you are in this room or you're watching online, this is your opportunity. And I'm just going to pray a very short prayer with you. And that starts the journey to knowing God. And loving him. If you're that person tonight, just, you know, lift your hand very quickly. And you can put it back down. And that is fine. And also for the sake of those people who are watching online. If this is your first time, you know, you, you, you know after this time you can write to us. But let, let's lead you to receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior tonight. It's, it's your night. It's your night. And I'm not sure the angel who might be standing by you right now, you probably might not even, you know, you might not be able to see them. But, but I do believe that Gabriel is possibly standing by you right now, bringing a good news to you. But it's your night. And if you're that person, let, let's pray. And can the, the whole church, can we all pray together with them and say this prayer with me, Father, I come to you today. I acknowledge Jesus came to the earth because of me. He died for my sin, that I might become a child of God. I acknowledge that he rose from the dead on the third day so that I may be accepted into the family of God. Tonight, I accept Jesus as the Lord of my life. Come into my life, Jesus, and change my life for the better. Amen. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And Father, for those who have prayed that prayer tonight, 
those who have not known you. They've prayed a prayer with a willingness to know you. Thank you, Lord, for answering that prayer. Thank you for accepting them into your fold as your children. Thank you for loving them the way you've always loved the world. And I pray that from tonight, they will continue to find joy in knowing you. Find joy in coming to you. And help them to let go of the mask. Help them to accept you the way you've shown yourself to them. And help them to be comfortable in their skin so that they can come to you the way they are. Because at that very point, that's where transformation starts. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So if you have, praise God. Now, if you have given your life to Jesus tonight, hey, send us an email. Write to us. Uh, write to frontdesk at thetransedge.com. We will make it um, our responsibility to get back to you and to find a way to connect you much more with, with Jesus Christ. And it's, it's our responsibility and it's your opportunity to take advantage of what we can bring to you. The message you've heard was produced by The Transformation Edge and we hope it has inspired you. For more information, please visit our website, www.thetransedge.com or you may contact us via email to frontdesk at thetransedge.com or on Facebook, The Transedge Church. You may wish to call us on 02-4731-2419. The Transedge, a change is inevitable.